and Damon, Gary, and I, and we watched first round of the U.S. Open with Arnold Palmer, and he was sharp as a tack. So Jason Day had chunked one end of the thick rough, and he go, oh, Doc, remember when I did that? <laughs> And welcome back to another part train. I'm Evan Singer. We've got Matt Cermak here. What's up? We're back, Ev. This is, I'm pumped to share this episode with you guys. But in case you're new, welcome. We appreciate you hopping aboard. When you're on the part train, golf, the hardest game in the world, feels easy. Well, our mission is to understand why that is that we can make other hard stuff in life seem easy and help you get better on and off the course. We feature interviews with PJ Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, travel writers, media personnel like Maddie G, Matt Janella. You guys probably know him well from the Golf Channel and more. And you'll get the motivation to keep jugging and the tools to enjoy the ride. That's what we're all about. Um, before we get to our intro about this interview, uh, first... We've got a, a unique uh, message for our listeners before we dive in. Normally, we talk about our friends from uh, Roback or Super Speed or another sponsor, but today we're going to talk to you about the Par Train a little bit. Wow! How exciting is that? Guys, we love our friends and our sponsors. We do, we do. But today we're talking about ourselves. Sometimes you got to do it, right? I agree, uh, guys. There's a little bit of buzz going on with the latest run of our first run of par train hats for a little context we went deep okay we rebuilt we wanted to rebuild what a modern golf hat looks like i mean we've got designs under the bill we've got detail upon detail and people are going crazy we did a limited run people are dming us every day how do we get one of these hats, Matt, I, I told you this yesterday, a guy from Australia DM'd us yesterday and said, I don't care how much the shipping is to Australia from Los Angeles. I will pay it. Just get me one of these hats. So long I mean, story short, guys, we are investing in you. The we are, are fired up. <laughs> <laughs> we are ordering a big run, not a huge run, but another run of hats First one was a rope hat in black. The next two are going to be non-rope hats, gray, heathered gray, and navy blue. And what we're going to do to celebrate is we want you guys to review the podcast, okay? Get creative, get funny, get sentimental, whatever is true to you. Yeah. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and DM at the Partrain on Instagram a screenshot of your review. We will save them, and every month we will pick our favorite, maybe a few, who knows, depending on how many we like, uh, and we will send you a free part train hat as a thank you. And so give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Always subscribe, follow us at the part train, send us a DM with a screenshot, and you might get a free part train hat. How about that? I think, I think that's what everybody wants. Our DMs are blowing up. Look forward okay. to seeing the reviews, guys. <laughs> All right, Maddie G. He had the dream job, right? He's taking you to experience the best buddies trip destinations and the Golf Channel and all the different golf outlets that you've probably heard of. He's probably worked at almost all of them. Um, but now he's off on his own and he's got his own podcast, The Fire Pit, and um, website, Fire Pit Collective, where he's got his own Pilsner now. I mean, that's, it's really 
that's exciting. But Matt is, I think, the best way to describe Matt Janela, I think, is a great storyteller, right? And yeah. a lover of the game. And I think this podcast almost felt like a fire pit uh, in the sense that it felt like we were sitting around the fire pit together hearing some amazing stories that made you almost fall in love with the game all over again. You know? Oh, totally. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's a great interview. I've, he, uh, he just fires you up, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He's just such a positive guy. But sometimes the term buddies trip, it's, I don't know, it gets thrown around a lot. Everybody's got their own kind of versions or definitions of what it should be. But the way he describes what the buddies trip should be about, you know, experiencing the town, you know, experiencing the culture, the people, the course, like it's, a, it's, it's quite a holistic approach to getting the most out of your travels, right? Whether you're at Bannon Dunes, you know, along the Oregon coast or you're in the heartland in Kansas, right? Like he just, he just has a way of, of talking about it. And I think, you know, I think it's, it opened my eyes a little bit, you know, about do these trips, right. Make the most out of them. Right. And, I, and we also had great conversations about kind of his journey with his game and the spiritual side of the game and um, mental game, mental game. And yeah, no, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, he was on morning drive for a long time off channel and now he's kind of got a lot of exciting things in the fire. No pun intended. So <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was great. It was absolutely great. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, this is one of my favorites that we've done in a while. So definitely listen to the end. If you haven't subscribed, give us a subscribe. Give us a follow at the Par Train. And tweet. Um, thanks as always for listening. Stay warm out there. Stay safe. And guys, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. Take care, guys. And we're back with Matt Janella. From what I hear, sometimes called Matty G. Wow, is that fair? Welcome to the show. Can I call you Maddie G? Yeah, people do. You know, uh, John Hawkins uh, started calling me that when I when I joined Golf Digest Golf World magazine, and um, and I, it stuck. I, you know, it's I, you know, it's a nickname is sometimes uh, you know always has sort of a life of its own, and I, I you know. At that point, then we started a blog. Where's Maddie G? And I, you know, I guess I don't know. It just is. <laughs> you know, it, I certainly don't call myself that. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, it is what it is. But uh, it, 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 it started and then it stuck, and here it is, part part of my life. Well, Matt, speaking of names, this might be the most important question of the interview. But first of all, I want to know: Is Bandon maybe the greatest name? ever given to a child number one and number two before you answer that do i have permission to use that for my future child whenever whenever they come because i i just want to tell you i was on a walk a few days ago and i told my girlfriend about this interview and i said he named his son bandit and she goes i love that name so i just want to get permission yeah well you, you certainly have permission i don't have <laughs> a rights of the on the name and and the it's it's um, the way it came about is, you know, prior to the birth of our son, my wife and I kicking around a lot of names and um, and, you know, we were in that process. I kind of thought we had it locked in um, and she was like, you know, I don't love it was going to it was going to be some version of my my name and my middle name and f- 
flopping them. And my middle name is a family name that goes back to my grandfather, uh, which is Moke, M-O-K-E. And there's a whole story behind that name. So it was going to be Moke Matthew. And I've told the story of Moke and she's like, I don't want to do that to him and make him tell that story every time. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. We got to, so we're back to the drawing board. And I said, well, what about, you know, I love Tony Gwynn. What about Gwynn? You know, and, and at that time we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. So um, she's like, ah, you know, I said, what about Joe Montana, Montana, you know, what about my, and she's like that, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, and I look up and there's a poster abandoned on the wall and put Bandon dunes on the wall. And I said, you know, sort of walking out of the room, I go, what about Bandon, Bandon dunes, Bandon, you know? And, uh, and as I'm walking out, she goes, I like that. And I stopped. I was like, wait a minute. You like that? She goes, wait a minute. And she's all into, she hadn't been, and she's all into what it means. And she looked it up and she started doing full research on Bandon, the name, you know, the history of, of sort of the resort. She was like, do you know, it means optimistic friend of the people, um, a determined, she, she goes, do you know that there's Bandon golf club in Ireland? There's a sister club to Bandon dunes. And that the guy came over, uh, Lord Bennett, he declared himself a Lord, came over from Bandon, Ireland. I said, you know, now that you say that, I remember seeing a picture of Mike Kaiser in Ireland near the Bandon uh, sign. Uh, I think it might be in Dream Golf, actually. So I I started doing my own research. I'm like, wow, this is cool. So needless to say, we went with Bandon, kept the middle name. So Bandon Moak Janela. I'm Matthew Moak. My grandfather was Moak. My uncle was Tony Moak, blah, blah, blah. So we got all that. And then my wife and I went to Bandon Dunes with baby Bandon uh, when he was not even a year old. And we had a great, great trip there. And so she was like, oh my God, now I see why this yeah. place means so much to this. The spirituality sort of uh, went through her. And then we went to Waterville in Ireland together and we took baby Bandon to Bandon Golf Club in Ireland. Wow. So we sort of traced the roots of his name. And there we were received by the club secretary and the club president and some of the members. They toured us through the golf course, baby Bandon in my arms as we went <laughs> on the golf cart. We saw the castle of the original um uh, the, the Lord Bandon and, and the family and lineage and got the whole, so we you know, and there's, and I'm going to do that story, the full story that, um, at some point, either in a podcast or a feature, um, as to how that all eventually ended up uh, becoming Bandon Dunes and Oregon. But it's anyway, that's probably way more than you wanted to know, but at the bottom, but the end that's of true. it is, Yes, it's Bandon after Bandon Dunes, but what's really cool is we kind of dug a little deeper and got yeah. got to the, to the heart. Did you of hold Baby Bandon on the cliffs like Simba above the kingdom and the coast? Yeah, very much like Simba. Yeah. We, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, we have pictures of him on the putting green playing with golf balls with kids uh, of of the club putting at the Bandon Golf Club, and the sign in the background and the kids there the teenagers that were there putting when they found out his name was bandon thought that was the coolest thing they had met a kid named bandon and these kids were playing at bandon golf club in ireland it was it was a that's cool amazing cool thing. yeah it's cool that's that's really cool there's a lot of weight to that uh, yeah, yeah 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 matt well welcome to the show as evan said um you know you your experiences are unlike a lot of people around golf you got to travel to some of the coolest courses and towns and cities and really get to experience golf in a pretty unique way and i think we're all fascinated by that 
So I, I found a quote from you that I want to read, and I want you to dive into this a little more because I think you have a, a, a take on the game of golf um, just that, that's different than most. So this is with Eric Anders Lang when you did your Winter Park 9, okay? You said, and I'm going to read this, my relationship with the actual scoring in the game of golf is one thing. My relationship with sort of the evolution of golf, the maturation and development of golf is another. One I'm much more passionate about, and the other, it's more of a work in progress, more of a work in progress. It comes and goes. Talk about that. You know, I think we all start out playing the game of golf with an attempt to be great, uh, to get better, to break 100, to break 90, to break 80, to break, you know, in some cases to break 70. Um, and I think the, the you know, competitive uh, game of golf is the priority at that time in your life as a kid or, you know, in your early twenties, it's about beating your buddies. You know, it, 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 architecture meant very little to me at that time. Um, you know, who I was playing with, uh, didn't mean as much to me, you know, certainly I enjoyed rounds with my dad or my uncles or, or, you know, my brothers, uh, or, you know, buddies. And I, and I loosely understood all of that, but um, and I grew up playing public golf. I've never been a member of a club. I, I, you know, I worked at golf courses, picked ranges, worked on the maintenance crew, um, eventually behind the desk, filling out tee sheets and all that. I did all that. Um, and, but I would get pissed. I'd break clubs. I'd, you know, I was, you know, it, it, it bothered me. My, my results on the golf course, like most people, it, it bothered me. Um, and then eventually, as you get older and you, you evolve as a person, you start realizing and you travel and you start, you know, the, the game starts taking you to a lot of different places. You start meeting a lot of different people. You immerse yourself in a lot of different cultures. You go to father son events and you see what that does. You know, then you have a son or, you know, you lose your uncle, the one who got you into the game and you start a buddy's trip in his honor. And you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, then it starts becoming, you know, uh, layered. And then you start, you start realizing, oh, the, the game of golf means so much more than just a score. Right. So, so mm -hmm. then you're like, oh, how can I maximize my time uh, with the people? So then it stops becoming about what you know where you are it starts becoming so much more about who you're with you start cherishing cherishing that time away from devices or the craziness of of the world that we live in and you start you start trying to maximize the time with friends you start trying to build you know evolve your group uh and grow your group and the camaraderie gets bigger and uh, the the buddies trip that you take becomes more special. And so, you know, that, that is, that's what I'm talking about, Matt, when you talk about the, ev the evolution and maturation, it's not even just of the game. It's of, of your relationship with the game. And um, yeah, and that, that's it. That's what matters. To yeah. Me. I can, I, I can, I can relate. And, you know, I grew up playing, I played in college at Missouri state and it was part of my whole life and golf is hard. Golf is hard a lot of times, right? Cause it was, it was your job. And then post-college, you find new meaning and, and sometimes you find yourself actually playing better golf. I think I heard you say, I hit a bad shot. Now I grab another beer and I turn off the music, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a power yeah. to that. You know, you, you, there is, 
it to help you play better golf too, right? Oh yeah. And, and now, and honestly, oddly enough, I'm playing the best golf of my life right now. Right now, I would I would say having you know since moved to San Diego in November, having now uh, Goat Hill Park as my home course, one of the toughest 4,500 yard you know par 65 golf courses you'll ever play. You have to be very exacting with your yardages, uh, with you know with your with your angles, uh, with your short game with your pots. So everything is getting a little tighter. I'm also surround, you know, I'm in the current match play at Goat Hill Park, 64 players um, and 22 are scratch or better. 22 wow. players, you know, multiple guys that are on Corn Ferry Tour. Dean Wilson's playing in the match play. You know, it's all net, but you know, they, this is like no joke stuff. And um, I finding, I'm finding myself in you know, the Friday skins game and all, you know, I'm finding myself just getting better by just being around this, this culture and this community. Um, because, uh, because you, you know, you, you want to go back, you want to hit, you want, now I'm hitting more balls. I'm, 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 I'm practicing my short game, which is something you never rarely do all for all for just to try to keep, you know, enhancing my experience on the course. And I, I still don't care, care as much as I ever did. Right. Um, but, and yet I, I care for other reasons. You know, I care just because now my wife yesterday, she, I was kind of stressed out and, you know, and she goes, you should go hit balls and uh, <laughs> help you. And I was like, that's a great idea. And I came back an hour later and I was like, that helped a lot, you know, just, yeah. um, you know, so all of this is happening. It's all, it's all happening. And the great thing about golf is we can do it for life. Right. Well, we had Evan Schiller on the show last year, uh, golf course photographer oh yeah and i know you've got a background in that and he talked about you know just typically golfers don't see what's in front of them right because they're so in their heads right about their score and about their games he goes my work as a photographer has taught me to see what's in front of me right the topography the architecture the sunset there's a million details but that's it right and 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 you're kind of talking about the guys, the camaraderie, you know, the turn, like you're, you're more, there's a few ways to be more present, right? But that's the key. Yeah. And, 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 you know, having been to the places like St. Andrews and Bandon and Cabot and Pebble and, you know, Sea Island or, you know, and, and quite frankly, WP9, Goat Hill Park, the cradle at Pinehurst, uh, you know, t top of the rock, uh, uh, Big, Big Cedar. Cedar Lodge, Big Cedar Lodge at, at Table Rock, overlooking Table Rock Lake and the Ozarks and, you know, Whistler and Banff and uh, and now been to Melbourne and, New, you know, Tasmania and, and King Island and uh, um, Cape Wickham. I mean, it starts all, you know, and you're seeing the long shadows and you see the sunrise and you're putting dew tracks at Cypress Point, whatever, you know, these start adding up. And, you know, for me, you know, I'm not a crazy religious guy in terms of, you know, I, I have religion in my life. I was raised a Catholic, but my religion really is the spirituality of golf because mm -hmm. um, the community, the camaraderie, the connective tissue, the cultural immersions uh, as you pop to the different places. That to me is so much more of a, you know, religion isn't always necessarily tangible. And what I'm just talking about, my reference points there, isn't necessarily tangible, except for it kind of is. 
you, you do hold on to these, you can hold on to these memories, these moments, these uh, experiences, the people you meet. I always say, people say, oh, you have the greatest job. You get to play all the greatest golf course in the world. I agree. I don't disagree. I, I love and I don't take that for granted, but it's the people I meet and the experiences I have that's actually way more meaningful to me than checking a box saying, oh, I've played 94 of the top 100. It's a, you know, that's cool. And I get it. And there's some cachet to that, but I'd ra- I can take, take you through those courses and those rounds and see it. I was with that person. I was with that. We had this, I, I, you know, I remember that sunset. I remember that beer after that round, the conversation, you know, the meal, whatever it is. It is interesting, Matt, because, you know, it is pretty rare for us to have an experience that is what I call a memory burn, right? No matter what happens in your life, you're going to remember that day. And that's a good point. We've never actually talked about that, of how those, like I've played St. Andrews before and bar none, one of the best days of my life. And I describe it as you can feel something in the air that everyone there is having one of the best days and the people that work there know it and they, 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 they encourage it. Right. And it's this magic feeling of people being present, you know, that you don't feel collectively that often in this world today. And uh, that's a great point of just the days you get to play golf um, especially these types of courses, but it could be any type of course. Like that's the potential of any time you play golf, which is so unique. And one of the, you know, the whole thing about this show is we want to enjoy the ride. That's our mission is to help people enjoy the ride again, you know? And so it's great to hear you talk about that. And, and just look at the, look at the home. Of, I, I'm, I'm enamored. And the more you go and the more you, you see, and the more you, you know, feel around you and, you know, you go to the old course and there's a non-pretentiousness about it that you that you didn't expect. Uh, mm-hmm. Dogs, people crossing, you know, uh, the the town happening around the home of golf as though, you know, yeah, they, they appreciate and respect what it is. But it it feels a lot more like a park that just happens to have tees and greens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go all the way to like the Goat Hill Park and you're like, that's dogs and people and the town happening around the the energy and activity at the golf course it's like man you know at some point i think the game sort of lost its way in the development in america and the over privatization the over exclusivity the overcharging the the you know not unlike what we just talked about in terms of the maturation of me as a golfer i think america is going through uh, uh an american golf is going through something similar where it's like for the better part of a couple decades it was like big hard tour event u.s open can't get hard enough do you have the harder golf course like you know and and then it was like oh shit what did we just do you know we're building a ski mountain and all we did was build double diamonds well we can't get anybody up on this hill we can't sell skiing if we only have double diamonds we don't have bunny slopes and 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 slopes that allow people to evolve within the game of golf. And so now we're, we're making up for that and places like Bandon and Pinehurst. And now you can't, you can't talk about a destination without either them having added a short course or are in the process of adding a short course because, um, because now 
uh, everybody realizes that, oh my God, that's exactly what we love. You know, we don't yeah. always play full court five on five basketball. What we can do is go play a little three on three. You want to play a little two on two, one on one, you play horse, tip in, you know, 21, seven up. What do you want to play? It's still basketball. And that's yeah. what we have now in the game of golf. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned real quick, well, yeah. you mentioned Big Cedar and Sand Valley and all these places. And sometimes, you know, and you know a lot about these buddy strips. The 36 holes just gets brutal, but that afternoon, nine holes on the par three or 15 holes, whatever these different numbers are, is is what you want, <laughs> you know. And there's such yeah. a joy to the experience. What we want, what we want, Matt, is everything. That's what we want. We want right. we want the option to do whatever it is, depending on who we're with, depending on how we feel, depending on how many days we have, depending on how much sunlight there is, depending on how much you know how much. Uh, time we're afforded to be away from whatever it else is that we have. We want the option, right. putting course, short course, big course, a, a loop around the, a, a whiskey run, a, you know, whatever it is, go do it. You know, yeah. uh, whatever you can, you know, I, 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 at Goat Hill Park, they have the three hole kids course. They have a, now a driving range. They have the, they have a, a they have the plenty of options, the whiskey run. So it's always like one club, three clubs you want to go to the kids court you want to go let's do let's play you know one uh 12 9 18 one three you know whatever it is it's happening all the time and it just depends on who's there and what's the situation and that that's a diversified portfolio of a destination uh is is where uh it's not only it's not it's where it's going it's where it's at yeah yeah so matt i was going to ask you this later but i think this is a good time um, we do a lot of mental game stuff on this podcast and, you know, we'll do it from PJ Torpos to an eight handicap. And, um, I think golf trips are really interesting in that realm because you, the anticipation is high. There could have been years going into planning. A lot of times there's a lot of money that you're spending to play these courses and to your point, sometimes, you know, the elements play a big factor at a lot of these, right? You could be in 40 mile per hour wind, rain, uh, tough courses, tough holes. And it's really easy to be waiting to play and go on this trip all year and then get there and your game is shit. And suddenly you feel and these thoughts, these automatic negative thoughts, because that's the way we're wired, come in and say, what? I'm not even having a good time right now. I can't believe I'm playing so bad. I'm sure this has happened to you before. And I think this is something that a lot of people could relate to and maybe something that you've used to bring yourself back and say, no, I'm lucky that I'm here. How do you, how do you optimize your experience again and enjoy it, even when it's all going bad from a result standpoint? Well, that, that uh, everybody has, if you haven't experienced that, I, I don't, I just, I question whether or not you're actually a golfer um, yeah. because all of that, what you said, expectations is the, is, you know, you can sort of stop right there because you go in, you want to win, you got a partner, you don't want to let them down or you're playing an individual, you've embarrassed yourself, it, you know, you're, you're a seven handicap and you're 17 over and you're, you're just making the turn. I mean, you know, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's humiliating. And, um, you know, you're working on your game while you're playing is, you know, you're searching. <laughs> that's the worst, it's the worst yeah. feeling in the world, but that's, that's also, you know, 
what I do. And that's, that's again, the maturation of me as a person and a golfer is, uh, Hey, you know, look around, look who you're with, uh, look, look at the, look at what's going on, you know, think about other people and what they're going through. Uh, and would they rat, would they trade places with you in a heartbeat? They would, they'd rather be 17 over at the turn as a seven handicap than behind their desk, you know, grinding it out, uh, trying to, 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 to make ends meet or, or, you know, whatever, all those stresses that, that happen in everyday life. So, it's, it's no longer very hard for me to snap out of that. It's not to say I still don't have those moments, but, uh, you know, it, again, going back to the spirituality of the game and being my religion and, you know, it's not hard to, and, and now understanding architecture more and looking around and seeing long shadows or thinking about what we're going to do after the round and breaking bread and, and and having a couple beers or sitting by the fire pit or you know like focusing on the bigger picture mm -hmm. um, is is not hard for me anymore maybe it used to be when i was younger but um you know cherishing that time knowing i've taken time away from my family away from my son my wife you know uh, and like there's no way i'm not going to be having fun knowing that i've just sacrificed what i've done to be here let's make the best of it and yeah. uh, and laughing it off, you know, having another bit, you know, doing whatever you need to do, turning up the music, like just do whatever you need to do. Uh, to, and and music helps a lot. You know, I feel bad for people who sort of resist music because even if it's on low and just only you can hear it, there's something about music that helps us get through, you know, uh, mm -hmm. or or further enhance, you know, helps us get through the bad times and further enhance the good times. Yeah. You, you really kind of you hit on the spirituality, the spiritual aspect of the game and the experience. And, you know, I grew up playing with three brothers and we all we actually all grew up playing together. We played in college. We had this big golfing family and my dad got us into it. Turns out we all wanted to do it Didn't force us, but we all want to do it at a serious level. And my dad was a big golf book reader. And he always told us, you need to read Golf in the Kingdom by Michael Murphy. Yeah. Shiva Sirens, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've read those. And I bring it up because we were as kids and just trying to be as good as we can and win and compete and get a scholarship. Yeah, you know, I started reading it. I just couldn't couldn't grasp it. You know, I couldn't get what he was trying to get us at, you know, to to, to understand that side. And I, I'm just curious on maybe the maybe the, those were some of the books you read or specific moments, right? Or those ahas like, man, I'm doing this wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely read that book. And, and quite honestly, I read it at an age in which I didn't totally understand it either. I mean, that I, I probably need to go back and read it again, but I, um, because of where I'm at, but, but it, that just happened organically. Um, yeah. I think I, you know, I got the job at golf digest and I, that would have been 2006 as, as the travel writer, I'd started at golf digest in 2001. And, um, and in 2006, I got the job as a travel writer because sitting at a lunch in front of Jerry Tardy, the editor, I said, man, I love the, the sort of romance of travel is amazing to me. The idea that we can just, we're modern day astronauts. We get in this tin can, we, we transport ourselves in a very limited amount of time. And all of a sudden we're whole new play like i was enamored by that 
by that concept. And, you know, a couple of days later, he called me in his office and said, Hey, you know, you're, you're young, you're single. We want a fresh set of eyes on the industry. You're, you know, I love what you said the other day at lunch. Um, you know, I had gotten my degree uh, in journalism at Columbia a couple of years before that I'd been bugging them to write. He goes, Hey, go do it. And that, again, I think it's travel, the travel aspect and the, the, the multiple, multiple cultures that I was immersing myself in that really had the biggest impact on me. The, there's no better education than travel, in my opinion. I think a lot of the issues that we have as a country is that a lot of people don't, don't get up and get around and, and feel what it's like to be a minority or to feel, you know, judged, you know, uh, or to feel uncomfortable, to feel stretched, to feel uh, small, you know, uh, and I think if more people did that, we'd have a lot less racism and cultural divide amongst, you know, state to state, you know, city to city, you know, county to county, whatever it is, course to course, um, you know, get get up and get around. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about trying to share stories. You know, I always say I try to inform people, uh, make them smarter about the world we live in inspire them to get up and go to the places that I'm lucky enough to go. And if I can entertain them, then so be it then, then, but it's that in that order, I try in everything I do. I try to inform, inspire and entertain. Yeah. And, um, and that's my, that's my small attempt at trying to make a difference uh, beyond helping shepherd the game of golf or celebrate it or support it. It's also this sort of, um, greater cause. And I get that from people like John Ashworth, quite honestly, like I, I learned from people like that, um, Mike Kaisers and the, and, and the people who are way bigger and better at it than I am or ever will be, but I'm just trying to do my part really. Yes. I mean, that's a great segue, Matt, because speaking of informing and inspiring, uh, we've actually never asked this question in 120 episodes. And I thought about it this morning. And um, I want to ask it to you. So what is a topic that you want to talk about more or inform people or inspire people about that never gets asked that you wish would get asked more? I think it's I think that's I think that's part of it. Uh, I think that I think it's the I think it's the greater good of the game. It's you know, it's. I, I think I encourage people that if and when they go to places to play a golf course, don't forget to also go get a meal, you know, somewhere down the road or in town or go to a, go to the local pub or have, you know, just don't just go. And I did it for a long time. So it's not to say that I'm not guilty of it myself. You know, I've done Scotland trips and Piners trips where you just, you play the golf and you get, and you go, and you go, what'd you think of, what'd you think of Piners? Well, I played the golf course. What'd you think of, you know, St. Andrews? Well, I just played, we, we played and we took off. We went somewhere else, you know, and we never really got out of the car for any other reason. And I think that's a, mis that's a, that's a miss and a mistake. It's not always realistic or possible, but I do think that getting back to sort of that opportunity to, for the game of golf to do more than just uh, uh, as a sport or an activity or a, an exercise, 
there is an opportunity. The game does help us break some walls down and some pre preconceived notions about about people, places, or things. And uh, you know, Morocco. I've never been to Morocco. Golf Channel said you're going to Morocco next week. I was like, I don't even know where Morocco is, to be totally <laughs> honest with you. Honestly, I was like, I had to look it up. I was like, this sounds dangerous. Uh, is this in the Middle East? Am I, you know, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen? What, what, you know, and then you come to find out that, you know, it's in the northwest of Africa. It's actually only a seven hour flight from the East Coast. It's it's where a lot of people from Spain and France, you know, Morocco is to Spain and France, like what Florida is to New York and, and the Northeast. Mm. And now I've been seven times. Now I'm like in love with the culture and the people and the food and the environment. You know, the golf isn't great. They're working on it. They're trying to make it better. It's not a trip you would take to play great golf. It is a trip you'd take if you want to have a great cultural experience uh, and also play a little golf along the way. And so, you know, those, I, I, that's, again, part of my evolution and, and maturation as a person. So it, 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 it's very interesting to hear you talk like this. And it's, it's how you talk. Because, you know, a lot of times we talk about being, you know, one with the course and the architecture and the nature. We think of abandoned dunes or forest dunes. You know, we think of, you know, typ beautiful topography, oceans, hills, mountains. And, you know, I kind of wanted to ask you, but I think you've already answered it. Was have you had those type of experiences at a city golf course or at a course in the heartland, you know, in the Midwest? And maybe what you're getting at is maybe you didn't have an ocean out there, but the community, the culture, um, the town, right? You know, I was, so that's oh, <laughs> the yeah. question, but you can chime in. Oh, of course. I'm, of course. And that's, that's, that's where it all matters. Even like the town of Lahinch, Lahinch is an amazing golf course. The town, little surfing town, is an amazing experience. Waterville. Waterville is an amazing golf course. The town itself is one of the coolest experiences you'll ever have. You know, uh, Charlie Chaplin used to hide out and get away from everybody and go to go to Waterville, the town of Waterville. Really cool little history there. But it's like Week Wake in New Jersey. It's uh, Keeney Park in, in Hartford. It's Lions Muni in Austin. It's La Sonia, you know, somewhere between Whistling Straits and Sand Valley. You know, it's um, it's Pacific Grove near Pebble Beach or, or um, you know, Bayonet and Black Horse uh, near Pebble Beach, which is like often overlooked, but a great experience and a great, I mean, Again, Coronado in San Diego gets so 125,000 rounds a year. One of the most, you know, played golf courses in the country. $35. You finish on the San Diego Bay, you know, uh, and a bunch of Navy SEAL guys play there. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, um, I could go, I could go on and on and on uh, because, you know, Lincoln Park in San Francisco, uh, Beth Page, black, blue, green, yellow, red. I mean, you know give me a break. It just, yeah. all of these, uh, all of these touch points I see as nothing more than an opportunity to continue to understand about, you know, about where we live and what's going on and who, you know, who is, who, who is our, who is our friend? Who is our neighbor? Who is, mm. we all, we have golf in common with so many different people from so many different races and religions and cultures it's like one of the coolest things that we can rock up you know quite honestly it's so weird to me 
that sometimes I go somewhere and they go, oh, you know, Maddie G, oh, you know, yeah, what? I mean, you know, you know who I am and you play golf. Let's, hey, let's sit down and have a beer. Let's talk about it. And then right. we end up, you know, doing nothing but talk about anything other than golf in some cases. You know, it's cool. Yeah. And I love what you're doing with the Fire Pit podcast. Um, we were biased, but it's been one of the most thrilling things of our life to be able to tell stories and use this platform to meet people like you and talk about it. I'm curious. Um, it could be from what you've done on the podcast. It could be stories off, you know, on the course or wherever, but around the fire pit, what is, if you were going to like tell, what's the most, your favorite story. If you had to come up with a story that is like either something you'll never forget the most meaningful, the, the funniest, what's like, if you had one story and this is your last moment on earth and you're around the fire pit with buddies, what story do you think you're going to choose to tell? Well, I'm going to tell it in season two of the podcast. Uh, so we're okay. working <laughs> now. Um, I have, I just recently told, I tell it to a lot of small groups of people. Um, I'll give you a shortened, how about I give you like a little shorty sure. te teaser version of it. Deal. Um, and I've got, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm lucky enough guys to say I've got a lot to, you know, I feel like I got a lot to choose from, which is why I even started the podcast in the first place, which is, Hey, you know, man, instead of just telling these stories to a really small, maybe we try to do it, you know, and you know, we're doing 200 to 400 minutes of interviews for a 20 to 40 minute podcast, because as you've probably heard, I chop it up and just make it sort of this audio experience and get mm -hmm. the best stuff and put it in chronological order and sort of only narrate if I have to. Um, Arnold Palmer, 2016 us open oakmont morning drive is on site i've got a feature live from feature on the tree remo tree removal of oakmont so i'm in town to basically yeah pop in on the show with damon pack and gary williams but it's mostly to kind of lead to my feature and arnold palmer at that time wasn't doing well health-wise and the we were trying to report is he coming what's the situation you know it's oakmont you know so many ties to latrobe is a little over an hour away and we reported on that tuesday that he wasn't going to be able to make it he had said feeling better but coming down to oakmont would be a bit too much he wished everybody well he was going to watch it from latrobe on that thursday our morning drive got canceled because fox was going to come on early weather could weather situation we couldn't be on while fox was on they canceled morning drive and we had the day off and gary williams had called to doc giffen uh arnie's you know right hand man longtime conciliary and said hey any chance we pop up and say hello to to the king and he said absolutely come on up and have lunch with with arnold on you know we're, we're, we're happy to have you well you know we fell over each other like kids at christmas trying to get to get under the tree i mean we were like what we went extra early we go to latrobe we we're, we're, we're hanging around and um and doc says come on come on down and uh you know arnold's ready for lunch we sat at a table with arnold his brother was alive at the time his i think his pilot was there you know a couple friends and damon gary and i and we watched first round of the u.s open with arnold palmer and he was sharp as a tack so jason day had chunked one end of the thick rough and he goes oh doc remember when i did that you know 
and Gary and uh, Damon said, "Hey, what do you, Mr. Palmer? What do you think about Phil in the pre, you know, pre-round press conferences talking about laying up all four days on the 17th hole drivable par four? You know, what do you think of that strategy?" Arnold, without skipping a beat, says, "Well, sounds like Phil's going to finish second place in U.S. Opens seven times because uh, <laughs> he's done it six. You know, I mean, right out we were like, ah, oh, <laughs> you know, and." Um, Lunch ends, we take some pictures. It was amazing. We're like, oh my God, you know, practically pissing ourselves. And uh, Doc says, hey, you want to come over to the office? Have you have you seen the office? Which is across the street, which is a converted house into kind of a mini museum and a shrine and where Arnold has his work workshop and his offices. And there's and we were like, yes. <laughs> so we go over there, we start getting a tour. We start going around, we're looking at model airplanes of everything Arnold ever owned and flew. We're looking at letters from dignitaries and and medals and awards and in this glass case is like a, a belt looks like the original uh, uh open championship belt that young tom won three mm-hmm. times retired it it's actually moroccan leather and i thought is this the what is, you know this and he said no no that's the 1960 hickok belt i was like what is the hickok what is that oh sportsman of the year 1960 he said Sports Illustrated used to give that. It turns out it wasn't Sports Illustrated. It was just a, a, an award they'd give. And they'd invite all the winners of each month to New York. At the end of the year, if you won Sportsman of the Month, you got it. And they would give a Sportsman of the Year. Arnold had won the Masters of the U.S. Open that year. So he got invited. And um, he's, in the, he's in the elevator. And he's going up to the celebration. And here's Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle, Rocky Marciano, Rocket Richard. And Arnold's going, you know, so he's in the corner and Mick, uh, Roger Maris is dicking around. He's going, oh, hey, hey Rocky Richard, hey, Rocky Marciano. You know, he does, does you know, he's playing, grab out, Mickey Man, and he turns and he goes, Arnold Palmer, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and Arnold goes, I was embarrassed. I, I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, what to, what to say, what to do. So, um, I'm skipping a little part of the story, which you'll have to end up listening to the podcast. So you, you to, to bridge piece all this together. But in the end, Arnold Palmer wins the award. They said, winner of the 1960 Hickok belt, Arnold Palmer. So he gets up, he accepts his, the award. He's coming back to his seat. He has to pass Roger Maris. And he says, I couldn't help but get back at him. I said, by the way, Roger, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> So, you know, Arnold Palmer, so that, that, you know, again, you're going to get a little more and you're going to actually get it in his voice. And he's going to tell you the story on this podcast. I was videoing him telling me that story in his office after we went over to the house, you know, to the offices. And, you know, Arnold, Arnold died three months later. And Arnold was the first autograph I ever got. Obviously, I worked at the Golf Channel. He started the Golf Channel. He's, you know, he's Arnold Palmer. He, he, he gave, he sort of in part gave us the the game that we we know and love in 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 america in some way shape and form and um and that that you know i'll never forget that and that that was so special you know in latrobe and um and to to have that you know a couple months before he died i've kept that to myself you know i've kept that video to myself i kept the images myself but season two of the fire pit i will I will give more context and let that breathe and let him tell that story in his words and his voice. So that's, that's great, Matt. So last question. Amazing. We had a record year for golf last year. 
challenging year for the world, painful, difficult, um, but golf really thrived 2020. So now as we get into this post-pandemic world, which is still going to be take a little time, give us one or two things you think the game of golf needs to keep the momentum going. Because the momentum's gonna shy a little bit, right? But but leave us with leave us with some wisdom here. Yeah, no, I mean, I went, you know, and I've said this a couple of times, but the tsunami of interest that came after Tiger Woods, um, golf screwed it up. We, you know, it was like, oh, golf. And, you know, kids, men, women of yeah. all ages, shapes, sizes, colors came to the game of golf. And we said, no, out, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. You're not wearing the right thing. You don't, you know, you know, you, you no music. Uh, you, you've got to take carts, you go, whatever the, you know, no, 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 no. And we, and we ran them out, we ran them off. And, um, and it was a huge mistake. And at that point, the 10 poles of the game identified the fact that, oh shit, you know, we got a problem. It takes too long. It's too hard. It's too expensive. Those were the three, you know, uh, boxes that were, 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 you know, hindering and, you know, sort of handcuffing the game of golf. And now, uh, since then, you know, first tee's a little over 20 years old now, youth on course, PGA Junior Leagues, drive, chip, and putt, ANWA, uh, top golf, short courses, putting courses, the further development of all these different destinations that are really hyper-focused on the avid amateur people who pay to play the game instead of people who get paid to play the game. Um, technology has continued to advance. We've got everything going for us. It was, as your, to your point, Matt, uh, uh, one of the silver linings to a global pandemic is that people saw golf again and said, maybe this is a place where I can go breathe freely, feel healthy, get, yeah. uh, have some time with friends or family. And so now we have 50 million more people playing in 2020 than 2019. And that's with the game of golf being closed for about four to five weeks. So yes, here comes this second wave. And we are better positioned to embrace them. We do allow music. We do allow t-shirts. We do allow dogs. We do have top golf. We do have all these junior programs um, that help facilitate the growth of the game and the organic sort of base that we're trying to cultivate. Uh, more women, more kids. Great, 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 great. The, 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 the governing bodies of golf, if they screw this up, I'm going to be so pissed off. <laughs> yeah. If they continue to focus on the people who get paid to play the game, instead of the people who pay to play the game. It's such a massive fuck up. And I use the word because it's true. They can't get out of their own way. Like let the game have a good run. Yeah. Stop talking about distance being an issue. Like if it's an issue at the professional game, suck it up and make a decision and provide, you know, offer a tournament ball, do whatever the hell you want. I don't really give a shit. Stop talking about distance being an issue for the avid amateur how many times do you play with somebody who you say wow they they hit it too far the game is e too easy for them they're making too many birdies no, uh the game th this is a real problem no it's not in fact we've righted the ship we've made the adjustments to get like the answer to a distance issue is actually play shorter courses Go play Winter Park 9. Go play Goat Hill Park. You think you're going to overpower Goat Hill Park because you hit it far? Go ahead. Let me see you try. Yeah. I guarantee I'll beat you using persimmons or just three clubs. Like it doesn't – like the USGA, you know, uh, and the PGA and the Augusta National and, you know, um, 
whatever else you want to declare as sort of the tent poles of the game, RNA, get out of the way. Do whatever you're going to do to the professional oh, game, but stop meddling with the amateur. Technology is here to stay. Quit pretending like it's not. We love the golden age of golf and the architecture and all that's happening. And I totally appreciate it, but we can also have something else other than that. If it was all golden age of golf architecture, we'd get bored with that. And we'd say, well, wait, wait, you know, allow people to have other options and opportunities. So get out of the way is what I would say. Love it. We just tweeted this week that it's kind of funny how like the range finders and everything, maybe the soul of the game and how to make the game better is looking towards the amateur game, to your point. Take layers from the game from people like us, right? And so- yeah, what a concept. Yeah, yeah, so true. Well, Matt, thank you so much. Uh, this was an absolute thrill. We really enjoyed it. If you guys aren't following Matt on Instagram, Twitter, it's at Matt underscore Janela on Instagram, at Matt Janela on Twitter. Obviously, you got to tune into the Fire Pit podcast now to hear the rest of the story. Is there anywhere else you want to send people, Matt, or anything you want to well, close on? We just launched the firepitcollective.com, which is kind of our, our home base website of all the content we'll be doing. We brought back the ambush, which I did for Golf Digest, will be a celebration of Buddy's trip. So if you take a great Buddy's trip, go to firepitcollective.com and submit your trip. And we might show up and give you a bunch of gifts and tell your trip's story. So the traditions and, and celebrate all that, the camaraderie and the, the culture that we that we talk about. And um and and that's it. I, I you know, I uh I, I hope to see you guys at Goat Hill Park soon. I hope that, uh, yes. that can happen. It's, it'll be on me for sure. And we'll sit around the fire pit afterwards. We got fire pit Pilsner made by Dogleg Brewing now. So kind of wow. a dream come true. I don't, you know, I'm not never imagined a, a beer after, <laughs> you know, after some sort of brand that I created, but th that's happened. I mean, I can't believe it. So all good. I love that. Well, maybe we'll need a part train Pilsner at some point, yeah. Matt. Maybe yeah. that's yeah. on our list. Uh, you know, you haven't lived until you've until you've got a, your, your brand on a beer. That's what I'm saying. Amen. That's great. All right, Matt. Well, best of uh, best of health and luck for the year, and best of your family. And hopefully, we can do this again soon. This was great. Appreciate you guys, and uh, and best of luck to you guys, and keep up the great work. Awesome. Take care, Matt. All right, take care. See you guys. Thank you. <laughs>